Hello everyone and welcome to episode 13 of the Shiny Developer Series. My name is Eric Nance and as promised we are continuing our conversation with RStudio software engineer and member of the Shiny Development team, Barrett Schlerke. In this episode we're going to dive into one of the awesome techniques that you can use to separate out some bits of processing from your Shiny application into an API. And sometimes you'll have the, the good fortune of using an API that's already been made for you, perhaps from an additional R package. But what can you do if you're able to make the API from scratch and make it all within the confines of R? And that's what we're gonna talk about today when we dive into the plumber package. And as I record this, by the time you're seeing this, you plumber version 1.0 will be out on CRAN. And we're gonna dive into some great demonstrations of the really exciting features that are part of this brand new release. So let's not wait any longer. Let's have fun talking about Plumber with our guest, Barrett Schlerke. You think about the evolution of a Shiny developer, even myself, I'm starting to live this, where the apps I'm creating are not just using things like R on the back end, but they may have to tap into some other system that's available via an API call. And you have been doing some really awesome work with Plumber recently. I'd love for you to tell our audience a bit about Plumber if they haven't heard about it and some of the things that are exciting you about Plumber, especially how it relates to Shiny. That was a perfect introduction to Plumber uh, because it is a wonderful way to make your R code into an API. And as apps start scaling, you know, we need to outsource where the data is being hosted. And I think Plumber just serves a wonderful use case of Shiny in that we, we move the data to a central location, the central Plumber API, and then that way you can have uh, 20 different Shiny instances to handle all of your traffic, but they don't need to duplicate that memory 20 times. And if you have a counter, that counter can be shared in one central location rather than trying to coordinate between those. Um, different shiny instances. Um, but yes, uh, Plumber, it allows you to create web APIs that are, I think, are very useful for workflows as well. So you can imagine like a twi the Twitter API. So when you query Twitter and you ask for data back, there's nothing to say that that's not actually done with Plumber. I bet it's not done with Plumber, but the user does not need to know how it's actually being executed. Exactly. And I've, I've heard of uh, some fun stories where uh, some statisticians were told to set up a database and have a fr you know, front end or an API for it. And they said, oh, I just did a quick plumber API and you know, it works and boss doesn't need to know and it's very robust and it scales well, so it's great. <laughs> I'm gonna keep let, using it. Let me jot that down for future work projects. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. And I think it works so well it's because the, you know, R is this, you know, it's that one second language. You know, there's that whole spectrum of how fast you can iterate on things. And like JavaScript may be faster in, in certain cases or certain situations, but if the visualization takes you 10 hours to produce, you can't iterate on that. Whereas ggplot, you can iterate every one, two seconds and come out with a new plot, look at it, change it, submit, do it again. And so we can leverage that fast iteration possibility inside Plumber to create web APIs that you're familiar with 
and it's also using comments that are very similar to the Rockstrom style comments. Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, we're in familiar territory and we don't need to relearn the wheel here. All right, so let's go ahead and copy this example in for a hello world, you know, plumber API. So I have it here and functions, all the syntax highlighting hi highlights up. The new thing that we have to be aware of is the at post, at get, and at get each takes a route and we've set our set our objects up. If we go ahead and plumb that using plumber's plumb method, um, it will come back with a API of what is going on. Ooh. At real-time warnings, gotta love it. <laughs> yep. Real so in the new version at PNG is being uh, deprecated and we want you to be explicit in what's happening. So we're saying, please make it a serializer with PNG. Cool. Um, so I'm going to save that. Let's rerun it. Cool. Now I have my get route of echo, get route of plot, and post route of sum. And we can run that, uh, piping it into our PR run, and the IDE will pop up with wonderful Swagger UI, where we can look at our API and inspect it and test it. So let's just do a quick echo test where I execute it. And the answer that I get back is the message is blank because I didn't provide any message. Um, I think the, the neat one to see is uh, let's, we have A and B. So I'll have, let's say two and six. The answer should be eight. And the answer is eight. Perfect. So this is really cool. Uh, like you can get started very quickly and that swagger, you know, pop-up is very helpful too. I'll share a, a funny story from my end is that I was tasked with talking to a group at work about using Shiny and calling APIs from R. So of course I thought a plumber first and hmm. I had not used plumber itself very much before that tutorial. I've always heard it. Like I've heard of it for a while. I mean, I've talked to Jeff Allen about it. But I hadn't really put it in action. And I, it took me not too long to get up and running quickly. So I definitely commend you for the examples and the documentation on the functions. And like you said, the, the R oxygen like syntax as someone like me who's created some packages internally, it's easy to get to into that workflow and to be able to test it out quite quickly. So I was able to at, at least act like I've been using Plumber for years and really not been very long, but it really was easy to get up and running. So I definitely appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, the Jeff's work it was it was really nice to step into that where, you know, we had this this Rockstrom style comments and we, you know, everything was kind of set up. Uh, and I'm fortunate that I'm able to take it into like uh, the next layer where we're starting to generalize it some more and allow mm -hmm. other people to opt into things. Nice. Um, and one of the comments that people have been giving us is that the programmatic API is not that user friendly, mm. and uh, working with um, James Blair, we've actually came up with a pipeable interface for Plumber. Wow, that's I haven't seen this before. This is really cool. So this will be coming out in the next release. Um, so we can start off with our our default Plumber object, and so this used to be like Plumber dollar new, and mm -hmm. you know this is very non familiar territory like R six behavior and. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we wanted to kind of get away from that and say, okay, we're going to create a new plumber object. Let's 
add a git route of hi and hello. And this is the programmatic development of it. Mm -hmm. And then we can add a post route. And I could do this, um, you know, many times I have hi, hi one, hi two. And, you know, that's great. I have multiple routes now. Um, it, it's not just limited to one call. Um, yeah, so it's great. I think it's a lot of fun doing that. Um, so if we actually plumb this, um, it is an entry point. So we'll do a pipe and we'll say directory for dirt equals this and we'll run it. Uh, so we have, um, ah, I didn't save my file. That's why it came up different. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. <laughs> There we go. So I have high, high one, high two, echo. Um, if I look at high two and I try it out, execute, I get hello world. And for echo, I'll try it out and execute. And there was no input, but that's, that's correct. The post body was blank. So perfect. Um, uh, speaking of, of the next release, um, one of the things that we'd worked on is Plumber now has a new hex. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> I love it. So your, your backdrop is going to have uh, some wonderful legacy in that. It will have <laughs> historical plumber hex sticker, and all oh. the new ones will start having the, the pipes. Very cool. Um, also involved with the new release for documentation, we, everything has been converted to package down. So we have searching available now, and also we have a reference of all the, the functions that will be um, added, especially the um, PR methods for the pipeable interface. Very cool. Um, yeah, so looking at these, all of a sudden we have a lot of serializers, more mm -hmm. than what is in the CRAN version. Um, yes. Yeah, CSVs, TSVs, um, we are typical JSON and Unbox JSON, I believe. But now we can do RDS files and Feather files, YAML oh. files. Um, yeah, it's, it's really great on how we could do that. Uh, so I'm just, you know, letting people know that there are there's more options out there. So we'll just say like at serializer JSON, at serializer Feather, and it will be engaged. So serializers, if we take a look at those, there is what is used to return the data back to the user. And so if you want your data to be, you know, it's stored in R as a data frame, but I want the user to receive a CSV, then I will tell, hey, I need my serializer to be CSV, and it will be registered as CSV, or TSV, or JSON, you know, even YAML and Feather. Um, and I think it's really, powerful and how that that can work because it's just you know a one line change in our hello and that here I can say at serializer when this one's an image but here I could say at serializer and we'll do uh, this isn't a data frame um, well let's make a new route instead sure. so at it slash demo and I'm just going to return the, the at serializer and say, let's do YAML, right, YAML. And this will be um, no inputs. And I will say, uh, let's do the, the 
old faithful iris, right? All right, so if I run API, then the demo is here. And if I'll try it out, execute, then this is YAML Look code. Look at that. Wow. Returned. Very nice. Very exciting. I, I see a lot of opportunities just with that serializer alone, or maybe you have to um, have some kind of service that produces the YAML that goes as input into some other pipeline you have. I'm thinking of <laughs> our markdown or something like as a YAML header for that. I mean, there's lots of, uh, it sounds like, yeah, these serializers are now saving us developers more time to not have to worry about, okay, now I have to massage this output in a certain way, have it re-download or recompile it or something but that the HTML response is the way we want it coming back and saves us some bookkeeping on there. So I could see lots of potential for this. So speaking about chaining those pipelines together, um, we now have the ability uh, for Plumber to use parsers. Typically, mm -hmm. uh, Plumber had not allowed for anything other than a form or JSON. And mm -hmm. now we have opened up the floodgates. Wow. So, Mm -hmm. So you can register your own multi, like we have a multi-part parser. We have um, our regular, you know, JSON and uh, form so that people submit. Um, but we've also added in extra things like if we believe it's going to be YAML input or CSV or TSV, um, Feather input, and we even have RDS as well. If you're in like ingesting an RDS file. Um, I know a lot of users had, you know, they had their own way to parse the data. Um, mm -hmm. And so now they can register parsers and add them into their routes and have them be very specific to a particular route as well. So in th that way, not all routes are taking in YAML, um, but just the route that you want. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be uh, really great to, to have that. Um, yeah, I'll have to try in. this out when the new version's out. I'm going to definitely <laughs> give this a spin. Very cool. What other things are you excited about for the future of Plumber? And uh, so with the serializers, I know I'm kind of jumping here. There's a method called as attachment. And all of the serializers right now work with as attachment, the Plumber serializers at least. Um, and I think this is really exciting. Um, as attachment allows to add a content disposition header to your return value. And what this means to you know, users who want to ingest it is that if I'm visiting this in the browser, the browser will try to download it as an attachment rather than automatically displaying it in the browser. Oh, that could save us a lot of pain <laughs> if it's yes. trying to display something that's totally cryptic to it. It'll just kind of bomb out. That's very cool. To, to even take this one step further, um, the content disposition can also allow you to give a file name. So even if I'm going to a route of like slash time, mm -hmm. I can save it as a file name that has like the date in the file name. Yeah, right. Um, something that doesn't- generate that, that's very cool. Yeah, something that doesn't agree with, um, uh, with what's going on. Oh, I don't have that one. Okay, so there's a demo that I can do where we, we download things as attachments. 
Um, so before I run this line of code, I do want to expose this new function of uh, Plum API and also um, available APIs. So within Plumber, we will have the ability to have a consistent way to um, check for Plumber APIs. And this is new, so currently there's only Plumber. But if I would have run this, like hopefully in like a year, I'll have multiple packages with different Plumber APIs. Oh, that's really slick. Okay, yeah, I like and it. So, so we're asking that people put their Plumber uh, APIs inside the inst Plumber folder, and then each subfolder is considered an independent API. Um, Ooh, and that allows could, you to be- uh, Yeah, I could see this really advantageous for those of us in the enterprise that want to start more building these APIs from Plumber, but have like a way to index them somehow or assemble mm -hmm. them nicely on somebody's installation. This seems like a good first step to that. And you can also provide a, a package name as well that we will subset and, and look for that information rather okay. than scouring your whole library. Yeah, very nice. Um, but using this, we can say, okay, I'm going to uh, plumb an API from the package plumber and the, the one that I'm going to uh, plumb is 16 attachments. So that's this name right here. And then let's go ahead and run it. Um, because uh, this is so browser dependent, I'm going to pull it up because Swagger doesn't show off like the full aspect of it. Uh, but the routes that we have is name, no name, and inline. So if I come here and I go to uh, inline, this is the one that we expect. I'm going to see the time in the browser. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then we have uh, no name. And this downloads a file of no name. And I've done this once already. So this is the second file that I've downloaded. And so that's you know a little bit more useful. But I think the one that I find useful is that if I go to the name route, I should expect typically that it would be downloading as name.txt, but mm -hmm. with the content disposition, I can download it as time.txt. Very cool. So you and can have full control over that. Full control for each route at runtime. Um, neat. All right, so let me close up that demo. Um, the, oh, uh, another uh, neat, neat one coming through is the ability for asynchronous execution in Plumber. Oh, this is right up my alley because I've been starting to interact with more than one API at a given time and I'd love to see how, how this plays out. Okay, let's see what you got. So Plumber, it, you know, it's R, right? Underneath the hood. So R mm -hmm. is by default single threaded, single core. And, you know, even if you're doing all the work that you could do, you'd only max out that one core. And if you had a route that would take like, let's say 10 seconds to compute, you would be stopping everyone else from using even the routes that are basically instantaneous. And so we've, we've done work in the internals to allow any of the um, hooks or the routes, if they return a promise or future object that we will um, execute them in asynchronous manner, but you don't need to know if your prior one was done asynchronously. And so you just need to worry about your spot in the, in the execution chain. So if we look at this, if I go to slash future, this should sleep for 10 seconds and then give me a result of the time. Mm -hmm. 
if I go to slash sync, it will just give me the time immediately. In the current CRAN version of Plumber, um, this would block for 10 seconds, and then this guy would solve immediately afterwards. So the times would be the same. Right. And uh, now that we're doing it with future, this is actually offloaded to a different core, and I'll get a different system process identifier, and I'll get back with the time, but it will free up and allow me to do this multiple times. So, okay, let me go ahead and uh, run this API here. So I have plum, plum future, great. And uh, that's loaded up. It takes a second because future and it's multi-process, it's kicking on the cluster. Sure, yep. Um, and let's open up these two routes and we'll try it out and try it out. Okay, so if I hit execute for the sync route, we should get the process time. And you know the PID is ending in 31. If I hit execute again, it's still 31 and the time goes up. If I come down here and we say execute, two, three, mm -hmm. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There we go. Great. Yep. And it's a different PID, so we know it's done in a different process. Oh, so now, this is really cool. Yep. So now let's check to see if we can do one at the same time. So if we do execute, mm -hmm. this is loading, and I can come up here and say execute, 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 and it's still loading. And it finished at 34, and this one is going to finish at... Um, uh, response body finished at sorry this one finished at uh, 36 seconds in to the minute and this one finished at 40 seconds into the minute mm -hmm. so there's definitely no way that this was held up by the future and so now all of a sudden plumber is multi-core and like it's great you don't need to be blocking on everything Wow. I mean, the use case I'm thinking of right now, and right now the APIs I'm thinking of aren't a plumber API, but if I built them like this or converted them, I would love to have some offloading of, say, a model fit as a some other server that's running via plumber would take that and run a model fit. That's going to take maybe a long time. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> then you might have another that's running synchronously that's looking at a log of that model fit kind of periodically, but they can yes. run at the same time instead of one blocking the other. That's, that's what gets me thinking this would be a great workflow for. Absolutely, especially if you had a, a three route system. Uh, I've talked about this in an issue in Plumber. Uh, I like the, the result of a, of a three route system. One is okay. submit, one is status, and the other one is result. Exactly. Yeah. I've been doing that kind of ad hoc in one of my production apps. Yep. And when you submit, all you'll get back is like a thank you and an ID. And it just said process submitted. Here's your ID. Then you'll mm -hmm. take that ID and use a Git route or a post route and say, what is the status for this ID? And using something like call R, you can read the logs of what's, what's happening in that R process, right. in that background R process. And then also uh, for your Result, you can then say if if the value has been finished, then you can do call, like call our retrieve value. Um, 
that's a little different than how this is working, but I think both of them have very like direct impact on using all of the cores in the machine. Yeah, I definitely want to explore all of that because it would make my life easier as an app developer that's integrating these services and figuring out the best way to manage them, but not, you know, bog down the app experience at the same time. This is certainly something I'm going to do some homework on after this for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the last demo that I want to show off is um, talking about this UI. Mm -hmm. So this UI here is done by Swagger. You know, thank you, Swagger, for getting the conversation started and having the Swagger, uh, you know, specification, which got transferred into OpenAPI, mm -hmm. and um, having OpenAPI be that open source collective uh, sure. initiative there. But you know, there's no need to force Swagger to be the only one that can view this. So similar to the register, or sorry, the parsers and the serializers, we can register a new API UI. And so if I have this one and I look at this file, I can say library plumber, library Rapidoc. And Rapidoc is a package that is created by uh, the GitHub handle Meztez. His name is Bruno Tremblay. And he's been uh, absolutely a great help for this last release of Plumber. Uh, done a ton of work. Uh, we can thank him for all the parsers that have been added in. You know, his, his contribution's been just immense for this last release. Another win for open source. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so if we go ahead and, and do this, um, so we could say install remotes, and then I say library plumber, wrap doc, and then I'll just go ahead for the demo and say PR run, because I'm just running it from the command line. That now the UI is done using rapid doc. And we get the plumber logo. Whoa, plumber the fancy one too. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a real treat to use this one, I think. And, um, you know, the the defaults that they have in here are a little bit nicer, I believe. You know, we can insert a default of 10 for the mean. Um, and when we try it, you know, it's a little bit skinnier. Uh, so it's not as tall. Uh, so it's just, you know, there's some nice aspects to it. But by default, because people are very familiar with Swagger, we're going to keep shipping Swagger. But now we can insert our own. Uh, we can even actually use another one called uh, Redoc instead of um, Rapidoc. Oh, so sure. there's there's more. Um, well, it's nice that you're, you're giving flexibility to us on one that we think is most intuitive for whatever situation. Now it's not just Swagger is like the, the only one. So this is really cool. So let's try this one with, with Redoc. So I'll library plumber, library Redoc, and then I'll plumb the API, set the UI to Redoc, and we can run it. And it's captured it there. And I think this one looks a little bit more professional and sleek. Um, has a nice default. Um, but, you know, it's a little bit more like, you know, thin, thin typing. Uh, it's, it's different. Um, but my preference is towards Rapidoc. Yeah, I mean, they're all great alternatives, but it reminds me a lot about how going to something like R Markdown in the ecosystem, you have so many templates you can choose from for your R Markdown docs. Now we have templates for our API documentation. That's that's great that um, we have these two additional alternatives and perhaps more down the road that we can use to share with our colleagues who maybe are, are used to API documentation, but it's just a different spin on it. Mm -hmm. 
absolutely yeah i think um you know certainly what i want our listeners or our viewers to get from at least my perspective you can chime in too is that plumber itself certainly you have now given us the ability to do any api with just our code like no matter how complex or simple it is to me it still is quite a valid thing with shiny itself because now you have offloaded a lot of that business logic to a different service that maybe those in your company or your organization love to use your shiny app but maybe you have another department's like well, we kind of like your shiny app, but maybe we want to do our different UI to it. But then you can have this be decoupled from the app so you don't have to worry about messing up your app code to please somebody else. But it's more about just having one place to update the back end and then many different front ends can call it. So like I definitely have plans to use Plumber as API, you know, mechanisms for a shiny app at work. But now I can say, well, it, it, it's saving me a lot of time from a development side to have that developed separately from the app itself. So certainly some of the advancements you're making there, that asynchronous stuff, especially, I'm going to be doing a lot of homework on for sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the async is, is a lot of help um, uh, by allowing more routes to be calculated at once and not yep. be bogged down by your slowest route. Um, but as, as you said about connecting to other uh, interfaces, um, James did a very good presentation on how uh, Plumber was a backend for a mobile application to his friend who wrote a mobile app. He's like, all he knew about R was how to spell it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but Plumber was the, the data source that was backing that application. Yeah, and, I remember watching that talk live. I was amazed by what was possible with that. So certainly I'm gonna be playing more with Plumber after this as well. Well, as you can tell, I really enjoyed learning more about Plumber and these awesome new features. And you can certainly see the enthusiasm and excitement that Barrett has with this 1.0 release that I think is going to be a very vast improvement, even on an already great Plumber package. And I'm already excited to try out a lot of those new things that we saw. In particular, although they're all great features, but the one that had the most, you might say, light bulbs in my head uh, thinking about trying next is the asynchronous processing. Because I've had multiple situations recently where I'm not just calling an API in one at a time, I'm dealing with multiple ones sometimes at the same time, and I'd love to be able to manage that more effectively. So this will be a very uh, cool thing to try and I'll be interested to see what I can come up with. And certainly I'll be sharing that with all of you as I um, explore my journey on making my apps a lot better with these great improvements. So I hope you enjoyed uh, that deep dive into Plumber. And we will have Barrett back one last time, uh, at least for this series, next week, as we dive into some of the nuts and bolts around the LearnR package that has become such a mainstay in helping teach others how to use R or specific data science principles with an interactive interface. Uh, Barrett's done a lot of excellent work on that front and we're gonna hear more about that in the next episode. So until then, if you wanna catch up on our previous recordings, both from the webinars that we conducted last year as well as the recent interviews we've done in 2020, the best place to go is our home site at shinydevseries.com. The YouTube channel will be linked directly there. And we definitely invite you to subscribe to our channel for future updates. 
And if you like the videos, please give us a little thumbs up to let us know that you're enjoying it. And we have a lot of big plans in the works for our next um, episodes. And I can tell you right now that I've been making a huge investment in both time and in some cases money um, with the production quality. And very soon you're going to see the fruits of those labors um, in our in our upcoming guests that we have uh, coming up for you in the next part of the series. So until then, I'm Eric Nance and feel free to drop me a line if you enjoy this episode. I can be reached on Twitter with at the RCast. We also have a contact form on shinydevseries.com if you want to leave your feedback on, on the series and any comments you have. So until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot for joining. Bye-bye.